Welcome to the Burden and Blessing Podcast, a study and discussion forum on the truth of God's Word. Our Bible study series examines a specific part of God's Word of Truth. We pray that through this study your faith will be built up and you will grow in your knowledge and understanding of God's Word through what you hear. Welcome back to Burden and Blessing Podcast. Today we continue in our study of the Psalms. Pastor Nathaniel Mayhew and myself, Pastor Neil Radical, continue to dive into a chronological order, at least we're doing our best to do that, of walking through the Psalms and taking an understanding of how can we really explore the Psalms and apply them to our day-to-day life. We're also doing a devotional series as well, so do check out our Burden and Blessing podcast. Look for those summary devotions for each one of these Psalms when you get the chance. Good to see you today, Nathaniel. How are you doing? Very good. Uh, For those who are counting, this is number nine out of 150. (laughs) So we got a ways to go. When we finish in our retirement, we'll be excited. <laughs> That's right. So this is this has been a fun study, though. This is something that you and I have talked about doing for a long time, digging into the Psalms. There's so much application in these texts that it's so so important for us to dig back into them and not only look at the look at the lives of these individuals like Moses or David that we've studied already so far, but then to apply those truths in our own lives. So. Uh, we're going to have a little bit of historical background to this one, which we actually have some in this case. Some Psalms, we don't know what the historical background is. Uh, this one we do. Why don't you take us into some of that historical background for Psalm 142? The intro to this Psalm. So David gives us a little bit of background. In verse 1 of Psalm 142, he tells us this is a mascal when he was in the cave. Now, Okay, that would really narrow it down for you and me. Uh, Sadly, David was in a few caves a couple of different times. But what? Where are we going to put this in David's life? Well, we are looking at First Samuel twenty-two, and we're looking at it earlier on in his life when he's on the run from Saul. So, if you look back to First Samuel, you can see in those. Chapter 21, chapter 22, we see a little bit more of the context of David fleeing from Saul from Jerusalem and now meeting up with a priest in the land of Nob. And that priest's name is Ahimelech. And that's where Ahimelech helps David um, and doesn't really know why David is on the run. David actually tells him that he is on a mission for Saul, so to speak. And this may be a half truth, we might argue, but he was still one of David's men. And so he was fleeing for his life because he and Jonathan, as we might recall, had recognized that Saul was trying to put David to death now at this point in time. So Himelech gives David food. And from all intents and purposes, it seems like David's all by himself. His wife, Michael, is still back there. So David is by himself. And we see that Himelech gives him some of the showbread there and also Goliath's sword. And so as David moves on from Ahimelech and gets that help from him, and Ahimelech isn't the only priest there, we'll find out. We see that he continues to flee farther to the west, and he runs into the King Achish of the Philistine area, and also he goes up to Moab too. So he's trying to get away from Saul, and you think the last place he would go is the Philistine area, having killed Goliath not that long ago, a few years back. And he's basically kind of acting like a spy for them too, because they have no doubt heard at this point in time of Saul's hatred toward 
one of his um, generals, one of his uh, captains of his army, you know, as we see with David here. So the, the history behind this is interesting because now he's fled and he's in a cave and what's going on with him. Do you want to go a little bit? I've been talking a lot. Well, one of the things that is really interesting to me, and I think it sets a little bit of the stage for this particular Psalm is that you mentioned he comes to this priest he gets the showbread he gets the sword of goliath he's on the run he's not completely up front with the priest what happens to the priest well i wasn't sure when you went to jump into that when saul catches up saul's on this manhunt of david because of his hatred and jealousy and ultimately when saul catches up to himelech and these other priests there in the land of nob he questions him and himelech tells him i didn't I didn't know you were after him. I didn't know that I was harboring a, a fugitive and Saul doesn't believe him. And so Saul tells all of his men to kill the priests that are there that aided David, this high treacherous man who really was totally faithful to Saul the entire time. And uh, do you remember what his men said or did? They said, we're not going to do it. We won't. <laughs> right. Right. They didn't want to, kill those priests, you know, just because Saul wanted them dead. So ultimately the whole reason why they knew that David had been in that area is because there was this local a man by the name of Doeg who had seen David and went and reported to Saul. And so Saul ends up having Doeg uh, kill those priests, which you might think, how would one man kill 85 priests? And I just, I picture the the soldiers of Saul maybe holding the priest or they have him bound up is probably more likely they have him tied up and Doeg goes through and eliminates them all. And uh, except for uh, Ahimelech's son, Abiathar gets away and we'll see how that catches up a little bit more later. David ends up taking Abiathar in and under his wing for protection because um, he had fled for his life. So yeah, Saul continues to show his murderous attempts to murder David, even by someone who is just, helping them out unsuspectedly. Yeah, I think that's so important to the background of this text because we're going to see as we read through this sort of an emptiness in David. And I think that that, I mean, he must have carried a little bit of guilt for what happened there because he wasn't completely honest with uh, the priest. But let's get into Psalm 142. Well, before you do that, one more thought, one more thought. I want to get your thoughts on this. So, Somewhere along the line, he's got other people with him. And so we talk about in First Samuel that he's got 400 with him. Can you tell me, the, let's, let's talk a little bit more about those 400 that were with David, because he wasn't all by himself in this cave. Yeah, so this is kind of interesting, too. There were, I mean, there's a whole lot of people while David, why David was gathering people to him. I think there were people that understood that Saul was a little nuts, which he demonstrated some of those qualities. I mean, think about this. Here's the king of Israel. And he has, in essence, forsaken all of his kingly responsibilities and duties of protecting the nation of Israel and providing for it. And he has abandoned all of that simply to be detailly focused on eliminating David. And the enemies of, of Israel, they're going to they're going to use this as an opportunity. So there were people that actually saw, you know, th- this is this is crazy. David is innocent. He doesn't deserve this. So he was gathering people up. And we know that David was a, that he was a, uh, let's call him charismatic, um, you know, not in, not in a religious sense, uh, but, but he, you know, he had that personality. He gathered people to himself. 
And, and this group of 400 men that you're talking about, these are people that were little by little, you know, he was gathering them to himself. Uh, we, we talked about this. We kind of, we have the comparison between David and, and Robin Hood because he's, he's getting all of these different people from all over. He's gathering a following that don't like the rule and what's taking place. And they realize that David is, is innocent and they want to support his cause. Um, in fact, there are people along with David that want to kill Saul. But as you pointed out earlier, David said, no, we can't. He has been anointed by the Lord. The Lord's going to have to take him out when the Lord's ready for him to be out. So and there, and there are people that just want to make money, too. And if David's sure. uh, winning victories, you know, they're they know his reputation there. So there's all kinds of people around him for maybe all the wrong reasons, so to speak, too. At least some of them. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So uh, let's let's go into Psalm 142. Then we're using the, the yeah. ESV this time go ahead and read uh, it okay so i already read the first part of verse one a mascal of david when he was in the cave and then he adds in there a prayer which is kind of a neat little summary to this section too so then we go in with my voice i cry out to the lord with my voice i plead for mercy to the lord i pour out my complaint before him i tell my trouble before him when my spirit faints within me you know my way. In the path where I walk, they have hidden a trap for me. Look to the right and see, there is none who takes notice of me. No refuge remains to me. No one cares for my soul. I cry to you, O Lord. I say, you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. Attend to my cry, for I am brought very low. Deliver me from my persecutors, for they are too strong for me. Bring me out of prison that I may give thanks to your name. The righteous will surround me, for you will deal bountifully with me. So any opening thoughts? Psalm? Well, my eyes jump to verses four and five. And, you know, we think of so many of other Psalms that talk about a refuge. And you and I haven't been hunted down like a wild dog, like, David has in this case here, but, you know, it's finding no place to rest, no refuge, you know, to find a dark cave is a place to call your, your home or a place of solitude is one that's going to be very discouraging. So we, I don't think we can quite understand that whole flight for your life type of idea there. And ultimately we have that two uses of refuge there. You know, you point out, you know, with that refuge, uh, verse four, you know, it's a place of escape that we might flee to. And then you might think of refuge as a, as a specific place that brings you shelter or brings you security. And I really like that because it really points to the, like Psalm 46, God is our refuge and strength. So as we think about that Psalm, he is the one we flee to, and he is the one that we find security and comfort and peace in as well. So there's subtle differences there, but they're really, they're really important differences also. Yeah, the thing that kind of catches my eye in this is, so you brought out the positive aspect of, of the refuge. So you are my refuge. Although in the first verse, verse four, he's saying, there is no refuge. There is no place for me to run. Think about this. This guy's been on the run from Saul mm -hmm. and he's, he, he's currently dwelling in a cave and he says, there's nowhere left. In fact, look at verse seven. 
he actually looks at this cave that he's dwelling in. He calls it a prison. Bring mm -hmm. me out of prison that I may give thanks to your name. He's asking for the Lord to finally bring this whole thing to an end. In those opening verses, he even describes the, the idea of a trap. In verse three, you know my way, the path where I walk, they have hidden a trap for me. Think about Doeg. He comes to Ahimelech. He's trying to protect Ahimelech to some degree. And, and yet Doeg sees this. He reports it back to Saul. And then this group of priests are killed. I mean, the trap is set. And the Lord is, he's giving David escape time and time and time and time again. But, but you can just see how this is wearing on David. And he knows that the only one who's going to be able to help him out, he says, my enemies, they're too strong for me. I can't do this. I need, and this seems strange from David, the mighty, valiant warrior. And he says, my enemies are too strong for me. Even the mightiest get worn down, don't they? Absolutely. Yeah, it's amazing when you look at the first three verses too, because it just it is a prayer. It's a, it's a lament. And he continues, says, he continues to says, continue to say my spirit faints within me you know you know the lord knows this because the lord knows his heart and so he cries out to the lord and he pleads for that mercy and so ultimately you know he david knows he's being wronged here and he was asking like you said i, I kind of wonder how long was david on the run for saul do we have a specific amount of time we're told i've always pictured it was it was well over a year i thought it was maybe a couple of years but um, i don't know if you have more information on that well, it, it seems that uh, Saul started to go downhill about 10 years into his reign. So we know that, that Saul reigned for 40 years. So, I mean, this, this really, as far as, you know, diligently trying to track him down, I don't know that we know for sure. But in essence, this, this lasted for 25 years. Hmm. You know, bits and pieces over that. I mean, you can just see how that would be extremely wearing. Um, again, not not strictly all of the time through those 25 years, but a long time. Yeah. Well, as far as the positive aspects of it, you know, when we look at how we can relate to David, some of the thoughts that I have with that is that, you know, he's, if you we glance at the words he uses here, his trouble, his crying out, his being very low, his persecution, you already mentioned the prison there, um, those who are after him, the the application we find is how do we really put our trust in the Lord when we have to endure something for months, years on end, that's over and over again. How do we continue to find strength in him is really the question that I think comes up in this. Even if you're a mighty Christian warrior like David would have been, how do you, does he continue to find strength? What do you do? Well, the one thing that comes through all of this is in the opening verses where the where David is calling out to the Lord. Um, he knows he knows who it is that can answer his 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 cries, his pleads. Uh, those are some of the words that we have in those opening verses. Um, he he says in verse four. You said you kind of keyed in on verse four. No one cares for my soul. But then verse five continues on and says, "I cry to you, O Lord." So David realizes that. You know, you were talking about some of those 400 people that gathered around David, and, and many of them were for the wrong reasons. And he realizes, eh, there's some selfish reasons why these guys are, are next to me and fighting next to me. No one cares for my soul. And, and the soul is a different thing, too. 
there might have been people that were sincerely concerned about David physically, but no one yeah, cares his, for my his soul. life. He's yeah. the future king. Right, yeah. exactly. Yeah. But but look at verse five. I cry to you, O Lord. I say, you are my refuge. There's that word that you talked about earlier that is a, a solitude, a, a place of, of um, protection, of, of deliverance. And then I love this next phrase. You are my portion in the land of the living. Think about the spoils of war. It's, it's like an inheritance. And this is such a beautiful reminder for us that David knows that his future, his prosperity, his hope, his confidence is tied not in those 400 men, not in whether Saul lives or dies, not in the Amalekites or any other nation around him or the Philistines, which he spent some time with. My portion is you, Lord. You are my portion in the land of the living. As long as I have al- I'm alive, you are the one who satisfies me. You are the one who protects me. You are the one who gives me everything that I need. I think that is such a beautiful thought in the midst of this psalm. Well, and I think that really ties in with the, the last sentence where he talks about, for you will deal bountifully with me. And that idea there, you know, when we think about, he'll bring it to completion. David knows he'll answer the prayer. Right now, he's struggling with the when as he's waiting on the Lord. You and I have talked about Psalm 130 before. I'm looking forward to doing that once more. And that idea of our soul is what's waiting on the Lord and his word of the hope that we have from the Lord. So that whole idea is how is David putting his confidence in the Lord as he's trying to endure this for such a long time? And this idea of his soul waiting patiently and sometimes impatiently for the Lord to answer his prayers and his pleas is something that we all can relate to with every single day of our life. And ultimately, looking forward to the bountiful deliverance is not just in this life to come of how he answers our prayers, but like you mentioned, the inheritance of our eternal life in heaven. Bring me out of this prison. Yeah, cave. Bring, bring me out of this sinful world that we're imprisoned in, you know, the, the glorious freedom that we have in Christ forever not just now, but in heaven, you know, freedom from sin, freedom from death itself. We look forward to that eternal salvation. I'm sure there's, there's plenty of times where we see in the Psalms where David really wants to just die. And I think this Psalm could be attributed to that as well, but he knows the Lord's going to answer him. He's going to be there for him. It's going to be his strength, even in those most difficult moments when he felt all alone. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and like I said, to begin with, this is why I love the study of the Psalms. Because this isn't just David's prayer. This is my prayer. This is your prayer. And there's so much for us to glean from this, to learn from the example of of David, to put our confidence and our trust where David put his trust and his confidence when it really mattered, you know, And, and to know that the Lord is our portion, that he has dealt bountifully with me. Uh, so what a joy that brings to each one of us. I, I couldn't help but think of Psalm uh, of hymn 552 when we did this study, Neil. Uh, the familiar words of the hymn writer, we've sung these often. Abide with me, fast falls the eventide. The darkness deepens. Lord, with me abide. When other helpers fail and comforts flee, help of the helpless. Abide with me. I think that nicely summarizes the theme, the thoughts that David is struggling with while he's here in the cave 
and he knows who the Lord is. He, he's asking in this prayer, Lord, abide with me. When everybody else has disappeared, they're not there. I know that you will be. Amen to that. We appreciate the opportunity to study with you today, Nathaniel, and to talk more about this psalm and those who have been able to listen in. We hope that this was enjoyable for you and a comfort for you most of all, that the Lord continues to be your refuge also and gives you that strength to remember that he will deliver you out of all your troubles when it is his will in his own way. We just pray for that same endurance that David prayed for as well, like we mentioned. Thank you for joining us. Until next time, please continue to look for our future podcast at Burden and Blessing. And we pray the Lord would bless and keep you always. We hope that you will join us again next week for another episode of Burden and Blessing podcast as we continue to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Until next time, take confidence in your Savior's promise that he will always be with you, even to the end of the world.